despite all the turmoil and bad things going on, the San Diego Padres are, well, still playing baseball, and this time against Hollywood's finest, dare I say, with the Los Angeles Angels, doing a little series preview by myself, talking about Otani, talking about whether it's now or never, pitching matchups, all that good stuff, and a July 4th matchup that I cannot wait for. Got a lot to talk about in today's show, guys, so without further ado, let's get to it. You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, July 4th. Happy holidays, everybody. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter, at least for now, unless something crazy happens with the way that app has been going, at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or... You can follow at LO underscore Padres for all my thoughts on the Padres, obviously, in case you don't want the fluff of my comic book or whatever ramblings that I go on on my personal account. And be sure to follow the YouTube Locked On Padres, where we are, I think, about like 20 subscribers away from 1,000, which is really cool. The brain chemicals that I get when I see the numbers go up, I really appreciate them. So go follow slash subscribe the YouTube. That would be great as well. Thank you for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Once again, want to reemphasize, hope you have a great holiday. By the time you are watching this, it is indeed July 4th, and the Padres have already played their first game against the Angels. Uh, usually when I do these series previews, it's with another host, but unfortunately, those Halo bros over at Locked On Angels weren't responding to me, and I have plans to go to, uh, for plans for July 4th, so, you know, I'm not going to be here, so I'm, I am recording these ahead of time, obviously, uh, so that is going to be a thing, but I wanted to talk about the pitching matchups and everything having to do with the Angels, just have a little good vibes, because I haven't done a solo preview series pod in a while, and... I'm excited because it is the Angels. And of all the teams, you know, yes, the Padres have been a disaster this year. Let's let's be very, very clear. Padres have been a disaster, one of the most disappointing teams I've ever watched, one of the ugliest teams I've ever watched. I talked about it on Friday's episode uh, when I called them a disgrace to baseball, which, yeah, a little hyperbolic, but you, you kind of get my point. Um, that there really is... Um, something fun about this series, and that's because they are playing Shohei Otani and the Angels. So at the very minimum, if you're sitting on your your porch, you know, you're kicking back, you're, you're enjoying the, the, the day off or whatever for the holiday, hopefully, uh, at least even though the Padres have been bad, you get to watch a team that's genuinely exciting to watch in the Angels with Mike Trout and with Shohei Otani. And they've been pretty good so far. Uh, just their old overall stats on the season. They're 11th in batting average, 5th in on-base percentage, 6th in runs, 4th in home runs, 4th in slugging percentage. Offensively, they're a great team. Everywhere else, though, not so much. Earned run average as a team is 16th in baseball. Batting average against is 14th. And walks and hits per inning, otherwise known as whip, they are 21st. So certainly not the worst like pitching team in baseball that belongs to teams like the Rockies and the Royals and stuff like the A's, certainly. But uh, they are being carried heavily by a certain someone, and that's Shohei Otani. And I can't wait to watch him play. I think it's going to be awesome. And the fact that Tuesday's game, so by the time you're listening to this podcast, it looks like, from what I've seen, the scheduled starters 
I mean, this is like a real blockbuster type of matchup. I believe it is Joe Musgrove versus Shohei Otani. So I cannot wait for that. Uh, if my app would load and show me, uh, of course, in the middle of recording, it decides not to work. But I believe that that is the matchup. Um, and I think Blake Snell may be going in what was last night's game. Uh, as soon as I get to load my app and get the information, I will uh, share that with you. But really cool stuff. Look, the Angels have been this team for a long time that has been highly predicated on being a really high-scoring offense and just Mike Trout, right? Doing Mike Trout things. And this year, he hasn't been as, like, stupendous as usual, um, Mike Trout. You know what I mean? He's been just a little bit down by his standards. And granted, his standards are, like, Hall of Fame, literally Hall of Fame. He's already a Hall of Famer caliber standards. But nonetheless, it's still working um, worth looking at right now in terms of their top performers. Uh, Mike Trout, he has a 136 WRC plus. Again, by his standards, he's having a down year. 260 average, 365 on base. He's still hitting for power. He's got 18 home runs on the year. But it's really been Shohei. Shohei, who is currently on a pace for 59 homers this year, which is wild because he's basically on the same pace as Aaron Judge last year, which is so stupid because Aaron Judge literally broke the record. Uh, And yes, I finally can confirm tonight's, sorry, yesterday's pitching matchup, Jamie Barea of the Angels, who has a 2.92 ERA, 2-3 record, 40 strikeouts opposed to 16 walks, 1.18 whip. I don't know much about Jamie. Again, blame the Halo bros of Locked On Angels for not being able to give their kind of insight. But uh, I'm going to take Snell in this matchup. Uh, He's pitching in last night's game. Hopefully he's great. Again, Snell has been one of the elite premier strikeout pitchers in baseball for a long time. And this past, like, eight starts, he's been one of the premier Overall pitchers, I believe that if you go through like his last like six or seven starts, he has a strikeout rate upwards of 40%. So it's literally been with him. Either he strikes out about it or he walks him. Um, that's been his only Achilles heel is the walk rate a little bit sometimes. But even still, he's been so incredible that it kind of doesn't matter. You know what I mean? He's just been that good. Um, but it's still going to be a lot of fun. And again, going through the Angels lineup, Mickey Maniak has been a guy that's really been um, surging for them in 33 games. He has a 168 WRC+. plus. Logan Ohapi, he's been pretty good for them, 139 WRC+. Plus. And then Trout and then Michael Stefanik. There's a lot of guys here who haven't been as good as you would think. Right, the big name or guys who at least have a bigger name. Taylor Ward, for example, he was like this breakout sort of guy that the Angels have been waiting for for a long time. You know what I mean? In terms of their farm, waiting for just a piece to come up and be helpful and give them depth behind their big superstars. Ward hasn't been good this year, though. He's got a 90 WRC plus uh, in 79 games. He has not been very good. Uh, his BABIP, two, you know, he's got a 240 batting average, 314 on base. He's not doing all that much. Eduardo Escobar is now on this team. You know, Mike Moustakis, I mean, he's been washed for a long time. Uh, You know, David Fletcher basically had one good season in 2020, uh, which shows you, by the way, how much you can't put stake into a 2020 season, something that the Padres are learning themselves with the way that they've uh, carried about business ever since then. And then Anthony Rendon, who's always hurt, even when he's been playing 96 WRC plus in 42 games. Hunter Renfro, who we might be familiar with, um... If you're a Padres fan, uh, 99 WRC plus hitting for power, but at a, a pretty steep cost of not walking enough. You know what I'm saying? So it is pretty funny to see that a big thing for the Angels has been there. Not the guys like if you're a Padres fan, not the guys that you're familiar with most. Right. They have had some contributions from Brandon Drury, who has decided to be good again. 
<laughs> Much to the chagrin of Padres fans, he's slugging 500 right now, 122 WRC+. plus. So they've got a, a, a tough lineup. So this isn't going to be an easy matchup for Snell. Um, even if they, are, I think, have the type of batters that he can do well against because of the high strikeout rate and the Angels be, can be prone to strikeout sometimes. But nonetheless, still a phenomenal team uh, in terms of the batting stuff. The, the key, I think, for this series is going to be whether or not the Padres can get into the Angels' bullpen just a little bit. Just a little bit. Not necessarily they have to do it at all costs, but I'm hoping that overall that they can kind of beat out their starters with Berea and certainly Otani. And Otani, I will say, he's not above having a randomly just bad start. He does do that every now and then. I remember like a couple years ago, a friend of mine went to the Yankees game. Um, and first of all, it was so wild how he pointed out that like more people were watching at Yankee Stadium. Like everyone was crowded around Otani in the bullpen as he was warming up. Like, just everyone was over there. No one would give a crap who was starting for the Yankees. I think it was Domingo Herman. I think, which oh, threw a perfect game last week. Crazy, right? Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was him. But uh, And then in that game, he actually got torched and didn't even leave, like, the first inning. I don't expect that to happen because the Padres' offense is not nearly as good as even the Yankees when the Yankees' offense isn't good. So... That's, that's what I'm expecting. And again, with the Padres' offensive numbers, which we're going to talk about a little bit more in a second, they really are just every every kind of sad, every single time. Like, I see so many stats about the Padres' offense literally all the time and how poor it is, new start, like, new type of uh, things, right? Like, it's, it's just a nightmare uh, in a lot of ways. So, look, let me tell you, if you want to beat the Angels, I think they're going to have to get past those starters. You're going to have to get them early. Uh, because their bullpen ERA on the season, let's see if I can find that really quickly. Where is LAA? LA Dodgers, Cincinnati, I can't find it. Wow, their bullpen is seventh. They're they're eighth in ERA currently. Huh. Never mind. I thought the I thought the Angels had a bad bullpen. Oh, it's the Dodgers that have a bad bullpen. They're 25th. Okay. My apologies, everybody. We're screwed. <laughs> There's nothing we can do against this team. Uh, not really, but we're going to talk about a little bit more of it and the Padres lineup and something that's pretty wild and honestly, in my opinion, kind of just shows you uh, and tells you the full story about how this Padres season has gone in just a second, guys. But before we do that, before we do that, I got to talk to you about the best sports book out there, guys. You got to take your swing, take your first swing specifically. You know, the Padres, let me tell you, they've been swinging at too many first pitches this year. But when it comes to taking your first swing, you got to go to FanDuel because over there you can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. 200. You can spend on everything from the money line to the over-under, who you think is going to hit the first home run. Maybe you want to bet on Otani hitting a home run because you're a masochist Padres fan and you just want to root for the other team to kill us. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. And there are reasons why you might want to root against the Padres in this series that we'll get to in a little bit. But um, you can do all sorts of things from player props and stolen bases and over-unders, like I said before, innings, strikeouts, all sorts of things. They got you covered. Um, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. So don't worry about having to to wait if you're in dire need or if you just want the immediate gratification of eternal glory because you eternal eternal glory because you, you know, got something right. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to two hundred dollars. 
and bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of Major League Baseball. And we're back, everybody, here on this podcast. Remember, thank you for making it your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Hopefully, you're enjoying the holiday, and hopefully, the Padres gave you a W or didn't give you a W. Here's what I mean by that. We're going to talk about more on tomorrow's episode, my vibes on the Padres being potential sellers at the deadline, what they could potentially get, and whatnot. And I'm wondering, like, is it actually at the point, because there is no trust I think amongst Padres fans and baseball fans and prognosticators, including myself, that this team will do the right thing. And in my opinion, the right thing is to sell at the deadline. I really do think that that's the deal. I just don't know how. They're in such a weird spot, and the baseball landscape is in such a weird spot that I don't know what they're going to do. So if they keep losing and make it more obvious, that way ownership doesn't get crazy, or I should say managing management doesn't get crazy and tries to buy in on a year like this, that they don't really seem like they have a high chance of making the playoffs. Again, my apologies for people listening to my show when two and a half weeks ago I said I had some optimism that things were going to change, and I was dead wrong. So my apologies, but that's where we're at. Um, so maybe you'll just be a masochist like me on July 4th rooting for Shohei Otani to strike out 13 batters and hit a home run against us and be like, cool. You know, that that, that would be a lot of fun. We don't know. Um, but again, I think that with this series, the big thing is going to be, you know, getting to the starting pitching. Right, That's probably going to be the bigger thing. It's not the bullpen. The Dodgers' bullpen is the one that has been pretty shaky this year uh, for a lot of reasons. They lose Kenley Jansen, et cetera, et cetera. They've had some injuries. But with the Angels, I don't know. I mean, the thing is that while every weakness um, of some of these teams comes apparent, again, the Angels starting pitching their 17th in ERA on the season, you still got Shohei Otani in there and this, this what's a guy, Berea guy, uh, maybe he's going to be pretty solid against us. And you know how the Padres can tend to be against starters who are new, guys who are new close. I mean, we literally got no hit by a guy who was barely doing well against double-A batters. I'm pretty sure it was of the D-backs a couple years ago. I can't remember. Was it Ryan Nelson, I believe? I forgot who it was um, exactly. But you know hit the Padres, or at least got really close. Um, and someone, I forgot who was it that hit the, had the no-hitter against us. I don't have it in front of me. Right now, I don't feel like looking it up, but you get my point. Um, so we'll see how that transpires. But in terms of overall stuff, the other thing about the Padres is it is pretty remarkable when you look at some of their other stats. Um, number one, Xander Bogarts, who I just saw this tweet actually this morning, um, and it was really, really funny in a lot of ways. Um, and granted, I do think that Padres fans and folks, and again, this might just be the echo chamber of the Bird app, have been a little bit too down on Xander Bogarts, just a little bit. I think they've just been getting really frustrated with him, which I get. Brand new spanking contract and all that, but I personally think if you're going to be mad at Bogarts, I'd be more mad at A.J. Preller first for electing to get another superstar when you had just traded your farm for one in Soto and then you didn't extend him and said you wanted to get another one, when really the best option might have been to just trim around the edges and fill out the rest of your roster. That way we wouldn't have situations like this past weekend or before where you have to throw out Ray Kerr and Reese Neer and all these things because you had an injury in your lineup. But anyway, enough batching on, bat, bashing on AJ Preller. Xander Bogarts, this one coming from Darnay Tripp on Twitter. Xander Bogarts went 0 for 4 today, meaning uh, Sunday's game against the Reds, striking out three times. According to Fangraphs, he's had 30 high leverage plate appearances this season. 
in those plate appearances, he's managed a 148 average, only four hits. He's grounded into five double plays, zero extra base hits, only two RBIs, good for a 381 OPS, a 16 WRC plus, meaning that he is 84% worse with with uh, run in high leverage situations than your average major leaguer, and he had an 82.6% ground ball rate. So yes, he became Eric Hosmer, because why not, right? Because why not? And I think that's also worth uh, pointing out that while Xander, again, because of the Preller thing, I think he deserves a lot of flack for that, that Xander does have this wrist issue um, that has been lingering, and particularly when he got hit by a pitch on his wrist, it seems like he lost a lot of his power, he grimaces after swings sometimes, and he can look good for a game or two, but I've been wondering for a while why they don't just put him on the IL. I mean, I, I clearly feel like he needs it. Maybe he's just refusing it. Maybe the team is so desperate because his glove is really good. But more likely, it's just that they don't have any depth behind him, right? It's like, oh, we have Hassan Kim. Well, then you have to move him from second. Who are you going to put at second? Then who are you going to put at first? I don't know. I would appreciate them trying something. Maybe they can just put Matt Carpenter at first base, have Tatis come into the infield, maybe. or uh, this is This is the tricky part. Or... More likely, you keep Tatis where he is because he's going to be a gold glover, or and you move Cronenworth back to his rightful position at second base, and then if Hassan Kim playing short while Xander's on the IL, and then put Carpenter, put anyone there, Brandon Dixon, someone could figure out how to play first base, at least I think. Not to sound like the uh, Billy Bean from Moneyball, it ain't that hard, man. <laughs> it's incredibly hard. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty atrocious. And the ground ball rate is good evidence to suggest that this hasn't just been unluckiness. Right, like he has been hitting the ball onto the ground a lot more. He had a little bit of some ground ball issues before in Boston, but it never seemed to matter. And again, he was so consistent that like it's just so hard for me to get mad. Right, you know what I mean? Like it's just this feels like more of a Padres thing, in my opinion, with Xander. This feels more like guys. At some point, we have to look at why nobody gets better when they come to the Padres. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just not. It's not cool. It's not cool. I mean, in this year, I mean, I mentioned the ground into double plays. Manny Machado is tied for second for the most in Major League Baseball with Ty France and Carlos Correa above him. Um, and then Xander Bogarts is 16th, uh, if you're curious about the double play stuff. So just a pair of teammates. I believe there was a stat in the Union Tribune that mentioned that the combination of double plays grounded into by Xander and Manny Machado is the most among a duo of teammates in the entire sport. And, I mean, really, that really does emphasize it. If somebody told you that the Padres' lack of a deep lineup hurt them this year, that Cronenworth wasn't good, and that Grisham wasn't good, and that maybe Matt Carpenter really was just a one-year kind of resurgence wonder, I don't think that would have surprised people as much as Machado and Xander just being unbearably bad with runners in scoring position. In fact, uh, in terms of runners in scoring position, Nelson Cruz is actively better with runners in scoring position than his overall numbers. He's hitting 300 with runners in scoring position this year. The only one on the Padres that's hitting better than Nelson Cruz with runners in scoring position, you want to know who it is? It's Fernando Tatis Jr. It's the only one. The only one. Sit on that for a second, will you? My lord. My lord. But we're going to take a quick break, guys, before we kind of finish this whole podcast and... Hopefully, I, I don't go crazy mad yet. So just one second. I'm going to take a water break. And we're back, everybody, here 
on the Lockdown Padres podcast, the waning moments of this year pod, having a good time, having a laugh. I hope you guys are having a great holiday, and thank you again for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Ah, man. And as we speak here, it looks like the the Wi-Fi in my house is like getting all messed up. Thank the Lord I record locally. Um, look, it's it's pretty impressive. I left you guys off by saying Nelson Cruz is the best with runners in scoring position aside from Tatis. And it's funny because his overall numbers is he's hitting 248 with a 287 on base. He's hitting 248 and it goes up to 300. He is showing that kind of veteran, like those esoteric things, the the feeling, right? right? Like kind of the... The it's not just the numbers sort of vibe that it's like, hey, this is what happens when you bring in a veteran. He's been there before, all that stuff. Nelson Cruz has been doing that. His batting average goes up by 60 points with runners in scoring position. And if Nelson Cruz can do it, that's what makes all of this so frustrating. Um, and again, this is kind of one of those series that while I'm almost in a way, in a way, rooting against the Padres because it might just really just help the front office decide officially that they need to sell at the deadline. That... Um, I'm sorry. I just can't get over that Nelson Cruz. Um, I think that another thing that I want to bring up is Machado, who, in my opinion, has not gotten a nearly enough flack for how he's performed this year. And I'm not saying we should all go on and yell at the guy and say you stink or whatever the heck, right? But I think it is worth pointing up. And again, runners in scoring position in terms of batting average. Tatis is number one, 315. Um, he even has a couple sacrifice flies there too. Um, and some stolen bases too. He's just he's just awesome. When when the going gets tough, Tatis has shown up. Nelson Cruz is batting 300. Juan Soto at 288, so he's shown up too. Hassan Kim, the fourth highest batting average on the team with runners in scoring position, 224, and he's been doing a lot better by the way. Xander Bogarts 198, 194 for Machado, 190 for Grisham. 178 for Carpenter, 169 for Jake Cronenworth, who, by the way, has a 0.0 F4 currently, and then Austin Nola, who is a 51, which is obscene, uh, and by the way, is part of why um, they keep starting Gary Sanchez, who, even though he has a lot of troubles and he strikes out on dumb stuff, he's still better than Austin Nola, so that's, again, impressive, but Hassan Kim, I do want to mention, a friend of mine actually said before the season, was wondering, should we take this bet? that Hassan Kim would finish with a higher F4 than Xander Bogarts. Most people laughed him off, said that that was ridiculous. Um, but I did think Zan- uh, Hassan Kim was a sleeper. I even talked about it with the Lockdown Fantasy Baseball guys, that heading into this year, Hassan Kim has only gotten better at the plate. He's only improved as a player overall. And a 2.7 F4 right now is what he is rocking. Pretty good. And compared to Xander Bogarts, he ha- I think Xander Bogarts has a 1.9, if I'm not mistaken right now. Let me see. 1.7 F4. He has his whole win better. Hassan Kim, the guy that they haven't extended, right? You extended Machado, who... Sorry, I went on a little bit of a tangent. Machado, I think, deserves a lot more flack because we've seen before that players, when they either change leagues or change team the first year of their big contract, they can struggle sometimes, especially stars, right? Marcus Simeon last year is the biggest, biggest example, right? It happens with a new team sometimes. Francisco Lindor of the Mets, he was really bad his first year with the Mets. Not bad, bad, but he was just really underwhelming and he was carried a lot by his defense. The same thing is kind of happening for Xander Bogarts right now. So it's possible, again, you cannot judge fully the contract year one, but with Machado, why I find it particularly frustrating is because it's not him changing places. 
right? It's only the first year of you getting paid big time, and he's having like his worst season with the Padres. Again, he's still hitting. Let's see here. He still has an on-base percentage lower than 300. It's obscene. It's obscene. He's not walking nearly as much as he usually does. His strikeout rate's fine, but he's just... And it's not like he's getting overly unlucky. He's a fast player. Or not a fast player. He's not a fast runner, right? So his BABIP of 266 makes sense. He's not getting super unlucky. I mentioned Lindor earlier as an example of a, of a player who might be getting unlucky. His BABIP is around 240, and he does have speed, so I expect him to do a little bit better just based on that. But that's why I think Manny Machado deserves a little bit more flack. Um, he's been good defensively, but other than that, like you are in the same spot. And you had all that those quotes that came out before the season where it was like, or not before the season, but when they started off slow, that he was like, yeah, and everyone's going to want to jump on the bandwagon later and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, are we sure about that? Are we sure about that? Because that's not what's happened so far for Manny Machado. So I think he deserves a lot more flack. Again, not to the point where I'm mad at him. He's still like a Padres legend at this rate, right? The four years that he's had, while up and down in terms of team success, he's been there. He's been great. But it is still just really frustrating. And all the yapping and all that stuff, the the looking all f- like you're having fun in games in the Dodgers series, like really, really rough stuff um, overall as a team. Um, and certainly for Manny Machado. So that's really frustrating and why he's been more frustrating for me than Xander Bogarts because I just think that we see this happen sometimes. Not to mention his injury, uh, his wrist injury that, you know, has to be taken into account for why he's been so poor. The last thing that I kind of want to mention, I kind of want to read your guys' responses uh, that I had a tweet. Let me see if I could find it. Um, Let me see if I could find it, actually, where I said, what was like, what do you think has been the saddest moment of this Padres season so far? Um and I got a lot of fun kind of responses. I'm going to see if I can find it, if I can find it real quick. But um, for me, I think that the saddest moment I had was the Royals series. I really felt like that was a meltdown. And someone actually responded saying that one of the biggest things for them was when they were getting swept by the Dodgers and then you could see them just kind of laughing and having a good old time uh, in the dugout. And again, I don't care what players do in terms of having fun. You're supposed to do that. But on TV, the optics of it don't look great. And here were some of your responses to that question. Um, <laughs> so we got one from at Big Head Brady said, signing Zan. Yes, I'm fully prepared for him to bounce back and make me look stupid. That's my kind of vibe. I think he can get better. Um, the Sergio M. Katera on Twitter said the knockout punch for this fluffy, fluffy soft group is the Mookie Homer against Hader with two outs in the ninth. Agreed. That felt really bad. You were trying to get away from that series and at least just have one good moment. Didn't happen, right? Um, and granted, it's Mookie Betts. Like, Josh Hader afforded a mistake, but it's still pretty rough. Uh, Dominic Baker at Dom Sports said Bogarts, his contract, and his bad energy. I will say... A lot of bad energy from Xander Bogarts. I think it's frustrating for him right now to go from a winning sort of culture with the Red Sox, and he's won before, to going to this team that's just playing like a bunch of losers right now. So while people want to get mad at Xander, again, I'd be more mad at Manny, and I'd also look at, he has won before. So I'm just saying, maybe he might know a thing or two. I'd love to know what's going on with that contract, or that locker room, I should say. Speaking of contracts, um, Craig Medeiros, hopefully I spelled that correctly, M. E-D-E-I-R-O-S said the Cronenworth extension. Agreed. Um, I don't think I was hard enough on that deal when it happened. 
I think that I was so amped for opening day. Genuinely, I made a mistake. I kind of talked about the contract in a vacuum and I didn't really take into account enough that for a first baseman, I don't know if Cronenworth was going to provide enough value. It's part of why he has a 0.0 F4 because he's not getting the defensive stuff that he was so good at at second base um, and even occasionally shortstop. I think that's been a big part of it. Plus, he's not slugging and he's just not hitting all that well. Um, What I thought was they were going to eventually bring in another first baseman. This was an extension for him to be a utility guy. Even still, though, you don't want to extend extend a utility guy that long, and I think that's what the Padres are finding out the hard way. Um, More responses at JasonWP41. Fans complaining about Cronenworth's contract when the Carpenter and Zaner contracts are infinitely worse. I respond to that. I disagree. I think that Xander, again, it's one of 11 years. It's hard to judge that fully, I understand. But still, um, he is a superstar and the most consistent bat in the league absent a couple of stars since like I was in high school, which was like 2015, 2014. Um, and Carpenter is only on the books for another year, although admittedly, that one's annoying. But it's not going to kill the team overall. Um, Friarbolt at Friarbolt Sports said, the end of the season and not making the playoffs. Um, in response to what's your favorite bad moment of the Padres season so far. So I guess they're saying he's predicting the future, my guy. Shouts to you. Um, at Rock Slobster says, uh, bandwagon fans. Eh, I'm not a fan of that because I just think sometimes when your team's good, people are going to be more excited about the team. So it's going to look like bandwagoning. I don't think that's an awful thing. It's okay to go about your life and be like, hey, my team stinks right now. I don't want to celebrate them and just blindly show loyalty, particularly in a sport where we see so often that owners do not reward the loyalty. So I don't mind that as much. Um, at MTC or at Pacific Bite on Twitter said, getting shut out three times in a 10-day span and getting swept by the Dodgers in the same period. Yep. Overall, that's that's great. That's kind of where I am. Rama Murdy, friend of the pod, responds a lot. Uh, shouts to you. Mookie home runoff hater. Couldn't agree more. Um, Joe Luna on Twitter at Joe Luna 33. It's got to be either Manny jogging to first every time he hits the ball or being able to predict the double play is coming just because there's a runner on first who most likely walked. Uh, lot to unpack there. Manny, I have defended many times with the whole not hustling thing. I don't really mind it. The guy plays in more games than basically everyone except for Paul Goldschmidt since 2017. I believe he's the only one to play more games. Of course, Machado was on the IL for a little bit this year, but uh, nonetheless, I don't really mind it. He hits the ball super hard and isn't fast anyway, so I don't mind him necessarily uh, not going full force to first base. Um, I will mind it if it looks like it was a ball that he could have beaten out, but that hasn't seemingly, at least from my eyes, happened all that much. Um, So that's just me, though. But thank you for your response. I appreciate that, Joe. Uh, Lance Fogel at Got Rocks says, too many to list with the tongue face emoji. Um, agreed. <laughs> when pa- uh, Daniel Sanoha, hopefully I said that right, when Padres are losing by two or three runs and Melvin decides to blow it by using his AAA relievers. Uh, again, I think that that's more on roster construction than Melvin. I don't know what you're supposed to do when Luis Garcia and, you know, uh, and, and Carlton are the only guys who are fresh and available. And Garcia was really good last year. It's, you know, it's who also, by the way, this weekend, even in a low leverage situation, gave up a grand slam to the Reds. He's just cooked, man. Um, the Suarez injury. Great point by Chris at Current CP um, on Twitter. This is an under-discussed thing. The Robert Suarez injury. After giving him an extension, um, and I think they gave him that extension because they knew Hayter was going to walk, and then they were going to head into next year being like, this is our closer of the future. For him to get hurt immediately, pretty rough. 
uh, pretty rough. And that was one of the first, dare I say, omens of a bad season to come. Uh, similar, although not as obviously not as tragic and um, you know in front of your face as the Edwin Diaz injury, but that same sort of vibe where maybe we should have known. Um, Ralph Wyman says pretty much the whole season. <laughs> Air Coriel says, yucking it up in the dugout at Dodger Stadium on the verge of getting swept. Yep, that's what I brought up too. Meadows at JD Meadows on Twitter says, tonight, recency bias. I believe tonight was, this was four days ago, so I think that was the Reds game in which they lost in the extra innings. Um, William K on Twitter says, that damn rap in the playoffs. Curse the franchise for eternity. Those clowns should be treated like Bartman was in Chicago. <laughs> Oh, I get it, man. I get it. It's a great one. I mean, man, he's going to cruise. <laughs> and it's funny because I saw the radio station, I think, reach out and post on Twitter saying that they've been trying to get them to come on to help reverse the, the curse. It's incredible. Uh, Steve O at PhD on Twitter says the games are just so boring and it just feels like the hitters are blind. It makes me feel blind when I watch them. Understandable. They just have no sense of uh, situational hitting. Fake Nando Tatis Jr. says Soto coming late onto the field because he was crapping his brains out. I honestly don't even remember that, but heck yeah, man. <laughs> I agree. Uh, wild stuff. As you can see, folks who are listening or watching, a whole bunch of sadness for this team. But with that all being said, guys, that basically about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod. That may be better than the pot Dre's themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. Remember, I'm at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, for as long as Twitter is not on life support or whatever the heck's going on over there. And then at L-O underscore Padres. Almost had a thousand subscribers on YouTube, so go check that out. Um, tomorrow's episode, talking about the kind of what they should do at the deadline. The vibes. What's going on? What should we do? We're going to talk about that tomorrow, guys. Going to be a lot of fun. Crossover with Miller Thomas of Lockdown Diamondbacks, also expected this week, too. Going to be a fun one. Going to be a fun one. But until then, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.